Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Central Wired podcast, and thanks for listening in. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwired.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We hope this week's message meets you right where you're at. Enjoy. Hey. Hey, everybody. It's such an honor to be with you today. Uh, For those of you who have no clue, no idea of who I am, my name is Wilkie Clark, uh, the chocolate son of David Clark. Um, uh, And I can't start preaching without giving honor and appreciation to the greatest man I have ever known. And he is our pastor, our leader, uh, David Clark. And uh, that man been preaching the Word of God for over 47 years, being our pastor here for 37 years. I'll give it up for him again. We love you, Dad. We honor you. We appreciate you, sir. Thank you so much. Uh, I want to show you a picture of my family, though. Uh, this is uh, my beautiful wife, uh, Marissa Clark. Uh, we've been married close to seven years, and our daughter, uh, Bala, who's five, and Wella, who's 11 months old, so blessed to have them uh, by my side. And I also want to thank you all for helping me uh, make a difference in Haiti. For the past decade, uh, you and I have done so much down there, including digging four wells, uh, built five chicken farms, five homes, and now we have an orphanage of 19 uh, wonderful boys. And, and three years ago, we started a school sponsorship program. In the first year, we had 25 kids uh, going to school. In D.C., we have 85 kids that are attending school because of you guys. And some of them are going to school for the first time. They're so excited. They want me to thank you for them. Uh, they are so, so, so excited. And a special thank you to those uh, who sponsors us on a monthly basis. And we do have a table outside these doors if you want to sponsor a child uh, to go to school or a monthly sponsorship through our orphanage. So grateful for all of you. And I want to start with something kind of funny. A woman was in an airplane reading her Bible. The man sitting next to her said, you don't believe all that stuff, do you? She said, of course I do. It's the Bible. He said, well, what about the guy that was swallowed by a well? You mean Jonah? Yes, I believe that too. He said, how can he possibly survive inside of a well for that long? She thought about it for a second and said, I don't know. When I get to heaven, I'll have to ask him. He said sarcastically, what if he's not in heaven? She replied, then you're going to have to ask him. (laughs) I want to talk to you today about the upside down. Every day you hear gloom and doom. If you watch the news long enough, you'll start to think that the world is coming to an end. Jesus said, my sheep hears my voice. You and I have an advantage. You don't have to worry about the economy. You don't have to worry about, you don't have to worry about your boss. You don't have to worry about your critics, people spreading lies about you. God will take care of your critics. Matthew 21, verse 12, Jesus entered the temple. The people there were selling, buying, exchanging stuff. They were using the temple in a slavish way. Jesus flipped everything upside down, chairs, tables, stalls. But a a few books later, Corinthians 3.16, Paul says that we are the temple of Almighty God. So what does this mean, though? A few books earlier, Jesus flipped everything that didn't belong in the temple. And then a few books later, 
Paul quoted that we are the temple of Almighty God. It means that everything that doesn't belong in us has to be flipped. The addiction has to be flipped. The worrying, the bipping, the headache, the migraine has to be flipped. Why? It doesn't belong in us. The illness is a foreigner to your body. Since Jesus flipped everything that didn't belong in the temple, God will do the same for you. Keep your hopes up. Keep your dreams alive. When I was 19 years old, I started to think about what my life would have been like if I had a relationship with my biological father. I was 19 and never met the man. One day, one of my sisters called me. She said, Wilkie, you are not going to believe this, but I found your biological father's phone number. I was ecstatic. I thought, man, this phone call is going to be the greatest phone call I had ever made. I even wrote a speech what I was going to say to him because I wanted our conversation to be perfect. Even though I was nervous, I called him anyway. And I said, Dad, it's me. My name is Wilkie. You had me 19 years ago with Carol. I want to hang out with you. I want to fly in just to get to know you. But he didn't want to talk to me at all. He said, why are you calling? He started blaming me for this, blaming me for that. I hung up the phone, and I wept and wept and wept. And I thought, man, something must be wrong with me. Even my biological father wanted nothing to do with me. I feel like I was invaluable. Then I walked downstairs where my adoptive father was, and he asked me what happened. I explained, and at the end, I said, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. But at the end, uh, in the inside, there was a war that was going on. Later on, he flipped it, and my adoptive dad wrote me a letter, and he said, Wilkie, you are extremely valuable. You are so blessed. Your mother and I are extremely proud of you. We believe in you, and we believe that the best is yet to come. When I read that, I felt like I was 10 feet tall. And I know some of you have gone through in the same boat where you grew up without a father, and now you feel like you are not valuable, or maybe you were abused. Let me tell you what my adoptive father wrote to me. You are extremely valuable. You, you are the apple of God's eye. And I truly believe that my, my biological father is missing out because I have a beautiful wife, two wonderful children. I'm giveable. I'm lovable. Plus, I'm good looking. Amen? <laughs> now, I didn't get the look from him, though. I got it. Uh, from my mother, I promise you that. Um, uh, when, when Lazarus was sick, uh, Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus to come heal their brother, Lazarus. Jesus was Lazarus' friend. But the scripture said that Jesus stayed where he was for two more days. Lazarus ended up dying. Two days later, Jesus showed up and said, I am the resurrection and the life. They say, yes, Jesus, we know in the last day you'll raise our brother from the dead when we all go to heaven. Jesus said, no, Mary, no, Martha. I'm not talking about the last day. I'm talking about today. If you will away the stone, I'll raise your brother right now. He was saying, I am a right now God. A lot of time we think, Someday I'll be well again. Someday my marriage will be restored. Someday my child will come back home. God is saying, no, no. I didn't come so someday you'll be well again. I've came to give you the desire of your heart. 
Jesus said, Mary, Martha, roll away the stone. They said, Jesus, you don't understand. It sticks. It's been four days. Sometimes resurrection dresses like death. Sometimes resurrection dresses like death. But Jesus said, Mary, Martha, roll away the stone and the dead and the Lazarus came out of that grave and the grave clothes had no choice but to fall off of Lazarus and Lazarus came out better off than he was before. Mary and Martha wanted Jesus to come and heal their brother Lazarus and get it over with. But Jesus was saying, no, 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 I got something better. I'm going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Jesus wanted to show us. He wanted it to forever be recorded that even your dead marriage can be restored. Even your health can be restored. Keep your hopes up. Keep your dreams alive. Luke 13, uh, Luke 13, 10, uh, Jesus was teaching in, in one of the synagogue, and a woman that was, was crippled by an evil spirit for 18 years, not 18 days, not 18 months, 18 years, she, w- she was bent and could not straighten up. Can you imagine the shame she must have felt as she was talking to family and, and neighbors? Just to get a glimpse of their, uh, of their eyes, she had to twist, she had to twist her body just to have a glimpse of their eyes. And Jesus saw her and called her come forward as she started walking slowly. But there was a problem. It was the Sabbath. And the religious leaders didn't even want you to breathe in the wrong way during the Sabbath. And Jesus called her and said, woman, you are now healed. And in all of the sun, her body, her mind straightened up. The, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they were furious at Jesus. You can't do that. Even, even kings obeyed the Sabbath. But one thing they didn't realize, they weren't talking to a king. They were talking to the king of kings. And I hate to say it, but the Pharisees and the Sadducees are still alive today. And I know some of you are thinking they live right next door to me. I heard a story about an older lady. Every morning she stepped in front of her porch and started giving God praise. Lord, thank you for my health. Thank you for my children. You, you are an amazing God. But her neighbor wanted nothing to do with God. In fact, he would make fun of her. Lady, you are just wasting your time. God ain't real. Just to prove his point, he woke up early in the morning, went to the grocery store and bought a bunch of groceries and placed them at her front porch. Man, when she woke up and she was ecstatic, Lord, you did it again. Thank you so much for these groceries. Her neighbor started laughing. Lady, I told you God won't win. He didn't bring you these groceries. I did. She looked up to heaven and said, Lord, uh, you not only brought me groceries, but you made the devil paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, Luke, third, uh, Luke, uh, one, Luke 11, 1, uh, uh, one of Jesus' disciples asked him, Lord, teach us how to pray. Verse 5, after Jesus taught him how to pray, th- then he shared a parable with him. He said, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and you say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine is on a journey, has come to me, and I have nothing Nothing to offer him. And suppose the one in the inside said, don't bother me. The doors are locked. My children are in bed with me. I can't get up and give you anything. 
And I tell you, even though he will not get up because of friendship, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need because of your shameless audacity. I can imagine one of Jesus' disciples say, whoa, 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 slow down, Jesus, slow down. Slow down, man. We just ask you a simple question. Teach us how to pray, man. Slow down. It was probably Peter because he talked a lot. Slow down, Jesus. But Jesus was saying, prayer is not enough. Prayer is not enough. Even the religious leaders can do that. They'll pray and sit back in the high chair and wait on God. But Jesus was saying, no, there's more to that. He flipped it, right? The normal thing was just to pray. And, okay, God, I'm waiting. Come on, show your power. No, Jesus was saying, no, you got to ask. You got to ask. You got to seek. You got to seek me. You got to seek. And then you got to knock, 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 knock. You got to knock. You have to do something to demonstrate your faith. You got to do something to show God that you mean business. That's why the Bible says if you have faith, faith without action is dead. You can have faith, but if you don't put any action behind it, it's dead. Let me give you a few, a, a few examples. If you have the desire to have children, why don't you sign up and volunteer at the nursery? And when you're there, don't, don't start complaining. Well, everybody out there is enjoying the service, and all I'm doing is changing these poopy diapers. No, do it with passion. Do it with enthusiasm. And close your nose while you do it. If, you, if you're addicted to pornography, the first thing to do is, is ask. You pray. You believe. You ask God for favor. And the second thing, you got to seek him. You got to attend church. Read your Bible. Sign up for a recovery class. Then the third thing, you got to knock. You got to knock. You got to knock. Well, how do you do that, Wilkie? Why don't you, why don't you call your, your, your internet provider and cancel that for six months so you don't have access to the internet? Why don't you call your, your phone company and, and have them slow down your data? It's hard, Wilkie. Yes, I know. That's exactly why Jesus shared that, uh, that parable with us. Christianity is not easy. That's why Jesus came to flip it. He flipped this, right? He flipped it. He flipped it. It's not easy. That's exactly why he shared that story. What about the men in the inside? You have to understand, back in those days, they weren't mansions like we have today. They weren't houses like we have today. They had huts, one womb. The dad, the mom, all the children that slept in one womb. And if you work one up, you know when mama ain't happy, no one's happy. So, uh, so, so you, can't, you cannot dare to work mama up. Or, or what about the kids? You're trying your best to, to, uh, uh, to, uh, you're trying your best to, uh, to make them fall asleep. And then, and then somebody, how many of you have children? Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. How many of you have children? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my, my five-year-old now, when she was a baby, she didn't want to sleep. She would sleep for an hour, wake up. One or two hours, wake up. And then Maurice and I, we couldn't get anything done, especially during the day. And then when she finally took a nap for 30 minutes in the male person, the male person, come, they would come and knock. No, no, don't knock. I have a little devil inside. I mean, we have a, my beautiful child inside. Please don't knock. Please don't, don't knock. I want, I want her to fall asleep. Don't knock. You have to understand 
That's exactly how that man must have felt. He didn't want to wake up because the whole family would have gotten up. What about the man in the outside that was knocking? And then eventually, I, I, I mean, I can imagine if the man in the inside didn't wake up, he would have whipped the whole door off. I mean, you have to understand that uh, uh, back in those days, hospitality was huge. You can't, you can't send your friend to bed without feeding them. McDonald's, Burger King, those things were, uh, they, were ex- they, they were not there. That, you know, it, it was unexisted, right? So the only thing that man could have done is to go to her, his neighbors to ask for food to feed his friend. He, he showed up at midnight. That means he'd been walking all day. And let me get something out of the way, though. Jesus didn't share this story because he wants us to persuade God. No, no, God is not a genie. You, you, you can't just put a quarter in and, and, and then you get a pop or you get, a, or you get a, a, some type of candy. No, no, no. God wants us to be persistent. And that's exactly how that man was. He was persistent because he had a need. He had a need and big enough where he had to knock. He had to knock. He had to knock. You have to be persistent. And let me give you my final example. If you have a desire to quit, uh, to quit drinking, maybe you have an alcoholic problem, don't hang out at the bar every night. I heard somebody say if you, if you hang out at the, uh, at the barbershop long enough, eventually you'll get a haircut. And you don't want a haircut. You have to hang out with people that will encourage you, people that will lift you up, people that will make you a better person. And then when you do that, God's going to flip it. He's going to flip it and give you the desire of your heart. When my parents were going through my adoption process, uh, my, my parents had the desire to, to adopt me. I mean, they could have thought, well, uh, uh, let, let me send money. I'll send money to Haiti. I'll hire somebody to take care of him. And, and then once in a while, I'll go visit. No, my mother did something that was unusual. She fly in and moved to Haiti for nine months. It was, it was hot. There was a lot of bugs. And she was eating the same food every day, rice and beans every single day. Ugh. Rice and I mean, I mean, a lot of people just send money when they're doing their adoption. But she didn't do that. She went out of side her comfort zone. And then Jesus started to flip it. I remember one time, uh, just when we were close to get my visa to come to the United States, uh, one, of the, one of the government officials told my, uh, told my mom, just move back to the United States, live your normal life. We won't go after you. People abandon children in Haiti all the time. And I remember one thing my mom said that, that I will forever remember. She said, you watch, I'm coming back. Oh, I thought, oh, man, snap. She just, she just dead him. Uh, I mean, you have to understand, those people were the most powerful people in the world. It's the government, right, the U.S. government. And she, he was looking at my mom like she was crazy. Does, does she not know who she's talking to? But one thing, he didn't realize that my mother served a God that can do the impossible and even though, even though they said I would never come to America, but here I am today, 15 years later, preaching the word of God. 
What they said that was impossible, God made it possible. But what if my mother had stayed in the United States where it was comfortable? She had to do something to show God, hey, I'm in business. I want this. I want this. And then God began to flip. He began to flip and flip. And it's funny, two weeks after I came to America, the, the, the American government wrote my parents a letter uh, listing all the reasons why I would not come to America, why they wouldn't allow me to come to the United States. But I was in my parents' couch drinking hot chocolate. <laughs> God, make, God can make your crooked place straight. Would you stand up with me? Friends, I believe, I truly believe when you seek him, when you knock, when you pray, when you ask him, he will give you the desire of your heart. Why don't you start knocking? Knock for your children. Knock for your health. Knock for your marriage. Don't put divorce in the table. And I already told my wife, if you leave me, you, I, I can promise you my, uh, the kids and I are coming with you. Divorce, divorce is not an option. Divorce is not an option. Yes, you have to treat her well. You have to treat them well. But you can't put the divorce in the table. And when you do the hard part, God's going to, right, he's going to start flipping, flipping, flipping. When you close your eyes and I'm going to pray. Father God, we are asking for favor. We are asking, and you, and you say when you ask, we will receive. And, and we're going to seek you, Lord. We are here. We are here to worship you. We are here to listen to your word. And we're going to read our Bibles. We're going to sign up for our recovery class. We're going to treat our spouse better than before. And then we're going to knock. We're going to knock. We're going to knock. We're going we're gonna to knock until we are, we are healed. Cancer, you got to flip. Addiction, you got to flip. The back pain, the migraine has to flip. The, uh, the, the, the depression has to flip. Because they have no way in our body. It doesn't belong. It has to flip. And I know we have technology. We depend on them. They are awesome. But Lord... We are putting all of our trust in you. In the end of the day, you are our Father. And we're going we're gonna to keep asking. We're going to keep knocking. We're going to keep seeking you because you are the ultimate God. And we love you and we honor you. And everybody say amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.